1: What's up and welcome to another wonderful episode of EST, the podcast for established church leaders by established church leaders. My name is Josh King, Sam Rayner, Mike Fries are both on the line today. How are you guys? It's game day. Game day! No, it's game, game day. day
0: was,
2: game day was yesterday and Sunday, Sam.
0: Baseball is finished for the season.
1: Game! It's game day.
2: I this I'm going to, as soon as I'm done with you guys. I have my priorities in order. I'm going to Tropicana Field oh, to yeah. watch the Rays beat the I Astros. Why I had to get here
0: an hour early.
2: Very excited uh, thanks thanks about seeing how the me.
0: very excited about seeing how the Montreal Rays are going to do in their playoff game against Houston today.
2: Houston. Listen, Astros. You can you can hate all you want. <laughs> uh, I am. I, we got Charlie Morton on the mound. I'm expecting a win. Obviously. By the time our listeners hear this, um, who knows what will have happened? But you know, I'm, the, I am expecting
1: a win. The Rays would have already won the won the won the Super Bowl or whatever. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Hey Josh, <laughs> let's let's talk for just a second about football season because football
0: season's going on right now. We need to talk about Packers and Cowboys yesterday. Where's the
2: mute. <laughs> <on my mind? laughs> Ooh, I don't even I don't even do the football thing, and I'm I'm liking this conversation. Yeah, let's
1: talk about Cowboys of and you Packers are because everybody wakes up thinking about the Cowboys.
0: That's no, no, I mean. no. I wake up thinking about the Packers, and I just half my family's from Dallas, and so they're all Cowboys fans. Oh, what? Cowboys Micah, Packers uh, is pretty important. Micah in my claims home. everything. Dude. Dude, my mom is born. I mean, my entire family is from Texas on my mom's side. Everybody. I didn't know that, Micah. Oh, man. They're all from You're my mom. listening. Wichita Falls is our hometown. Is it really? Yeah. My mom and my grandparents, both born and That's raised. That's why great the Texas envy he has is so putrid. No, I mean, it's, it's not thick. envy. It's not envy. <laughs> it's thick. <laughs> I like to tell people, uh, our, our Texas listeners are about to be very angry with me. Uh, uh, as we a kid, hear all gro- the time. As a kid growing up, I remember going to Texas to visit family, and Texas was a lot of fun, but I I remember thinking this is a lot like hell it's big it's hot and it's full of liars <laughs> <laughs> I should
2: not be laughing I should not be laughing no, I, I think. Texas <laughs> jokes are just not funny uh, they're great you I know. will say as somebody who is not from Texas and as somebody who has only visited and uh, truly I consider myself a Floridian I've lived all over but um, I have to admit I do like Texas for, so for those of you out there who are listening from Texas as, as somebody who is a non-native Texan. I must say the chip on the shoulder is warranted. You wear it proudly. <laughs> so here's, I, Texas is fantastic. One of my favorite things in the
0: world is to tweak Texans. I love, I just enjoy I, I think, I so think one of your favorite things in the that. world is just to tweak People you and Josh. in general, you
2: and Josh. <laughs> specifically me and Josh.
0: Yes, yeah. Hey, Let's talk I'm, about the Cowboys and the Montreal. Just, I've just let it go.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm not defending te- Texas. You know, it's like Calvinism. I just don't defend it. It is. Oh my it's gosh!
2: Wow, we just yes. took a really hard. Left or right? I'm not exactly sure which turn we just made. There, and
1: superiority and Calvinism. I don't argue for them. They oh just my are. word! You don't have to argue for it. It's All just, right, it send is? your email. I'm I'm Josh about at. I'm about to be uh, accused of guilt by association just, here. So just yeah, DM exactly the Twitter right. account. They do that anyways. Or, I know they do that. <laughs> Hey, let's talk about – okay, so we're talking about cultures here. Um, yes. Texas, we're talking about, you know, Floridian definitely has their own culture. Tennessee, I mean, they're almost a cool state, and they are very jealous of everybody else. They well, you I mean, know we, you know, we gave you Sam Houston. He came from Tennessee to if Texas. If I lived in so. Tennessee, I'd move to Texas too. So <laughs> there's there's that. So, you know, there's different cultures, and I live in a completely different culture. I moved from Dallas, Texas, to Central Arkansas. And great people, but it's completely, completely a different culture. I'm sure it's a different culture. I know between Nashville, where you were living, Micah, and Chattanooga, those are there's yep. some distinctions there, very that's clearly. That's really true. Yeah, and uh, Sam true. Wynn, Would you call it? I Apple, just w- Tennessee I- down to Florida. I,
2: I just went off the deep end, and I went <laughs> I went full in crazy. with Full Floridian. Uh, I went full Floridian.
1: I am Florida man now, yes. And yes. so, <laughs> you know, we've all transitioned subcultures here in the United States. Micah, you've transitioned before. A lot of them. Yeah, Overseas, I mean, well, even nine yards. like yeah. U.S., outside of the U.S. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Sam, have you ever lived outside the U.S.? I have not. I have not either. Lived in so, a couple different
0: places, Asia and Africa, both.
1: Here's where here's where the the conversation topic is. Um, you know, I've I've noticed in a number of situations, re- whether it is a staff person joining a church somewhere, or uh, let's say a a pastor joining a single family church, like taking a pastoral call there, those sort of things. There is a often overlooked transition that happens in the heart of the spouse or in the heart of the minister, when they are transitioning into a culture, I'm also noticing a couple things that they're doing wrong that's making that worse. Have you guys ever seen people struggle with, they like the church, the community's fine they just don't get plugged in all
2: the time always yeah. and i i see it down here a lot um, because we're just far enough south in florida to be north this is this is adage, you know the further south in florida you go the, the the more north you go that's right um so we're just we're just far enough south to be north i mean i've got people from New England and the upper Midwest to my church, um, and more, more people from the northern states than the southern states. Mm-hmm. So, when you know, a lot of times what happens here is somebody from the deep south who means well and is a good person, a good pastor, will come down here and get a church and not get the culture at all, thinking that, it, that we're like the south when we are anything but. You know, we're not Miami, but we're definitely more a northern culture than a southern culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably more mid- upper Midwestern than anything else. If you had to pick one category, and yeah, I've seen a lot of people struggle. They love the, you know, they they love the area, they love the church, you know, everything's fine. But this whole like backdrop of culture, this whole context of culture, they, you know, they struggle. So yeah, I've mm-hmm. seen it many times with, with well-meaning people. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think there is another sort
0: of reality that exacerbates it. I think you've got this idea that pastors can't be friends or close friends, um, yeah. you know what I mean, with their their congregants. And so often, especially if you're a new pastor who's coming into a new church, um, there's there's a disconnect there relationally because you're not – for some whatever reason, you've determined in your mind, I can't be an authority or authoritative figure in the church. And also – you know, be friends
1: with my congregants. And so I think that makes it even worse. You know, I I was I thought you were going a different direction. I'll just say it this way. But there is also a culture shift when it happens. Let's say you're in the southeast. um, And so not Florida, but Arkansas, Tennessee and below. Um, You know, if you move from a large city context into a more rural context, I've seen that transition happen a lot. Because, you know, a lot of our seminaries are more in an urban context. And that's where the students will come from and then they'll move out into a rural context. That also creates quite a bit of frustration or, um, you know, especially with the spouse is concerned. Because, you know, if you're a minister and you're at a church, that's what you're doing a lot of the times. But the rest of the community is where the spouse is. And that part really kind of frustrates or confuses or overwhelms maybe would be a word to say there what are some reasons well let me ask you this is there any and let me say it in this way any subculture of the US where you would be least fit where you would least fit in or you would well, i think struck, there's struck plenty the of cultures where i wouldn't fit in super well i mean well, let's talk about the giant regions like the the
0: big region areas i think probably the northeast would be tough for me Mm. Right. I mean, that's just sort of a different culture. I, I've grown up. I mean, I've spent so I was born in Colorado, spent a little bit of time in Arizona, California when I was young, then lived overseas. Then the the rest of my life from the time I was about six years old, I was in the southeast. And so Bible Belt culture for me um, is pretty familiar. Uh, and mm-hmm. then the Midwest is also, you know, I spent 10 years, actually a little more than 10 years in the Midwest. So those are the cultures that I would probably do. I mean, I think I do best in, but outside of that, I think just about everything else is fair game, is maybe not a place where I would be super Hmm. um,
2: acclimated to. And so, Sam, I'm thinking South Florida Northeast would be more of a fit for you. Yeah, I mean, no doubt I, I, the north. I, you know, I like the Northeast and I, I like the culture of the Northeast. It's the climate that oh, would get to me. Oh, I mean, man. I mean, wonderful people up there, but man, I don't know that I could do the cold. Um, you know, I I feel like I could fit in a lot of different places. Have fit in a lot of different places. Um, you know, I've when I was in the corporate world, did a lot of business out in California, in the Pacific Northwest, and then I've lived just about everywhere else. Um, so I, you know, I don't know that there's any place that I would say, "Ooh, I don't, I don't want to go there." Well, not that um, you don't want, you just would be yeah, more of a am I'm, I'm probably less of a fit in a small town, rural, deep south context, but... You know, my whole family, uh, though, though I never lived there, my whole family's from the deep south and small mm-hmm. towns, so it's not like that would be too much of a leap for me. But I've I've pastored in two small towns, and most of my life's been spent living in the city, um, and, and not in a quite urban context, but definitely, you know, I'm not a I'm not a suburbanite either. Um, so yeah, I would say probably small town, rural, deep south context would be the least fit for me. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that if you know if God called, I, I don't know that I. I would, you know, tell him no uh, on that, which so, is always dangerous, by the way. You know, don't, is, <laughs> don't ever tell God no when he tells you to do something. So yeah,
0: I can yeah. remember as a as a young high school kid who knew I was going into ministry, I, I remember I kind of think I was halfway joking, but I remember saying, God, please don't send me to Alabama or Africa. And the very <laughs> first two places I served in ministry were Alabama and Africa. Alabama and Africa. <laughs> so I've started I think- praying
1: that God would never send me to Hawaii. I think I'm clearly <laughs> a better fit for the southwest. I yeah. love the southwest. I think that's true. Oklahoma, Texas, Arizona. That direction. Um I don't know anything about the Northeast. I love the Northwest. So anything yeah, west, Northwest Midwest awesome. are when I visit, um, those are the cities that least kinda like excite me or something like that. Like I'm not like, man eh, it's fine. I'm very but like you said, Sam, beautiful, wonderful people everywhere. It's not a it's not a thing about the people it's a thing about me like the way i'm wired yeah and that's what this podcast is about we're talking i mean we're talking about ourselves here it's
2: it you know when god calls you to a place um that place just is what it is that you know i think it's ed stetzer who says there's good things in culture there's bad things in culture it's just like somebody's house it's just where they live culture is the house Um, you live in it's not good bad yeah, culture is just the house you live in, but that doesn't mean that every you know you're you're excited about every house. It doesn't mean that's that right. you're going to fit in every house, yep. and that's just something where you have to know yourself, you have to understand yourself, and and often when I'm counseling young people about uh, calls to ministry, first time pastorates, things like that, I, I kind of break it down and I just say, listen, you know, some people are called to a position. You know, you feel like you're a preacher, lead pastor. Mm-hmm. Some people are called to a church. It's like, hey, I'm going to this church. I'm going to do whatever they need me to do, whatever whatever that is. I'm called to this church, and then some people are called to a particular geography right. you know i'm going to wherever i feel called to this location any of those callings are valid all of them are valid but one thing that i caution people on is watch the geography because you know if you if, if you if, if you're like me and and you're like you know i i don't i don't really like the cold and you know i don't i don't know what i could do that kind of stuff man alaska that's pretty much off my list unless mm-hmm. god just says You – and Alaska is amazing, right? It's one of the most beautiful places on the planet. Yeah. I would not do well there. In fact, that's probably the one place I would say that I would struggle the most is Alaska. Mm. Um, Just because it's so stinking cold. Um, And – you know, that's just miserable. <laughs> well, that's, you know, I'm just, you got to know, you, you got to know yourself. God can call you anywhere. You need to be open
1: to that. But at the same time, you have to be real about the the desires that God has given you. And I if you're, think you're hitting on something very important. It's not, so moving from Dallas to central Arkansas was a massive shift. It's a massive cultural shift. You're going from the Southwest to the Southeast. You're also going from 7 million to 700,000. You know, it's, it's just very different, but it's, And I would have never picked that. That's not something I would have said, hey, God, call me to Arkansas. But when he did, just being aware of those shifts and knowing very clearly Jackie and I had a number of conversations where I'm like, look, because I grew up, my childhood was in Mississippi. So I'm telling her, look, the difference in – in the southwest and the southeast, even we're just crossing one state border there, it's different. There, It's a different way of thinking and it's a different value set and those sorts of things, especially if you're coming from a major metro so to let- – uh, you know uh, a smaller city a midsized city let 's talk
0: about what you can do all right okay. so we 've identified that this needs to happen yeah. what happens if you move to a new place of service? what happens if you're you know if you happen to have the opportunity to bring a new staff member on, maybe mm-hmm. you know part time full time or something and they 're coming into the culture of the church? What can you do to help um, uh, to help to help adjust to the culture and, and i th- I can think of a few things I, I, let me so let me start by saying something that maybe would be odd. I do think this is an argument for why, if possible, you're better off hiring from within the church, right? That's like,
1: I think interesting shift. Yeah, but yeah, I, do, I agree, I and do th- we do that at
0: West Bradenton. Why, yeah, we do too. I mean, something like eighty to eighty-five percent of our hires over the past. Uh, well, even before I was here. So, I mean, we're probably going back at least a decade have been just people we've hired from within and we'll hire people with leg- less education and experience if they're part of the church because we can get them both education and experience, culture, relationships, those sort of things uh, are so significant. So, number one, I would say if you can do it from within, you're, you're wiser to do that. But secondly, I think um, there are some things you can do if you're moving to a new town. So, to me, like when I go overseas there are two things that I look to almost immediately to try and understand culture. I look for the market and I look for the sports arena. Hmm. And if I can see the market and the sports venues, I can usually have a good opportunity to kind of connect with their culture and understand it. I would say the same thing in our arena. Now, we don't have open air markets in Conway, Arkansas. Maybe there's a Farmer's market or something like that. But mm-hmm. you know, you don't typically go and spend all your time at an open air market, but still, the malls, you know, the shopping centers, those sort of things. What are people buying? How are they dressed? What are the things that they say, listening to just walking around, listening to conversations, and then your sports arenas? If you can connect to those two domains, I, I think that's one of the ways you can quickly begin to understand the basic elements of culture.
1: What else would you guys recommend? I would just live near, live near the church. Yeah, uh, live as close good. to the church as you can. Well, I would say live within the same
2: community. Well, uh, I mean that's what I'm that's, a that's what I'm saying. Far, but yeah, I, I mean you know I understand there's financial considerations. My first sure. full time church, I had to live you know 15 miles away, and w- which was basically the same community in Southern Indiana where I where I pastored. Right. Because um, I just couldn't afford to live right around the church because it was a more affluent area. So I understand there's some financial considerations, but generally speaking, you know if you're if you live 45 minutes away just because you want a bigger house Mm -hmm. you're going to struggle you you, you, step one you've already made a mistake you don't live in the same community where you're called to shepherd yeah you know if you if you're if you think if you're going to a church you're like man we're gonna have to live like we're gonna and again outside of financial considerations i understand that some churches just can't pay well so for our listeners who say, "Well, i have to do this because the money's just not there i get that yeah outside of that if you're if you're going in, man, I, I want I want a three thousand square foot house, not a two thousand square foot house. I'm gonna to have to live forty five minutes away. You're not called that church. You're not called there. I mean, you're you're making a decision based upon the size of a house. You're yeah. not called the church. Yeah. I mean, you you really need to you really need to reconsider that, that you know what you're doing there. I would, yeah, I, live, live, you you gotta live in the community where you pastor. That's step number one.
1: I agree. I think that I would put it in the community distance kind of distinction because I do, I talk to guys that struggle with this and they're like, well, it's, you know, if I lived the same distance from the church now, the opposite direction, I would be in a different community. That's why I'm really emphasizing it's a community thing. The schools where you all shop, uh, you can kind of look in more smaller towns. So my town's about 65,000, not counting the 16,000 college students. So I call that a smaller town. Most would maybe, you know, in our rural areas would call it a large town, but You can tell kind of like where the grocery stores are. You can kind of build a hub around that because grocery stores put themselves in um, those key areas. And so you can kind of see the community that way. Schools are another way to kind of figure out what is the community the church is actually in and reaching. There's other struggles, too. If your church is in a community, but everybody, the membership and all the staff are driving in from another, then there's some issues there, you know, demographic issues and those sort of things. Um, I would add: be natural, but be intentional. So, one of the struggles, whether it's at a mid-sized church or a large church, or you know, just even if it's at a church where there's one full-time and a couple part-time, one of the struggles is that staff or leadership will come in assuming or expecting the other staff and, and, and leadership to be their best friends immediately. And that's just not natural. It just doesn't happen that way. You can be very good coworkers and not be BFFs. You can be friendly towards one another, encourage one another, even genuinely care for one another and not necessarily have a lot of things in common where you're going to spend your weekends together, those sort of things. And so I would say be natural, but be intentional. You can't just sit in your home and wait for friendships to develop. You need to be involved in the things that create friendship, so yeah that's what I was about to say
0: i would I think one of the most important things a pastor staff member, whoever can do, and it's stunning to me how many pastors are not. My guess, I don't know, I'm just speculating, but my guess would be more than half of pastors are not connected in this way, and that is connected in a Sunday school life group, a small group, or whatever the Mm -hmm. case might be. And I get why it's hard, if not impossible almost, for pastors to do this, right? We're working on Sunday mornings, often at the same time as when Sunday schools or life groups happen Uh, which has been true for me at the last two churches where I've served as senior pastor. So for me, we started a life group in our home or in a friend's home on Sunday afternoons, which is what we do here at Brainerd and what we also did back in Missouri. I think this is the single best way you're going to begin to develop community and get connected in the church is be Mm -hmm. invested in a group. And if it if your schedule on a Sunday morning does not allow for it, then find a creative time during the week to create one, to start one. And uh, and don't don't separate yourself from the church at large.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the the natural thing is don't you got to let yourself loose to say, I'm going to be friendly to everybody, but I'm not necessarily going to be best friend. So feel no guilt if you're not besties with every staff person. You should be kind and encouraging. And even when their personalities or their interests kind of f- are friction with yours, um uh, you should still be encouraging about that. I'll, also, I'll push back just a little bit, Micah. I think there would be people who are listening to you and saying, yeah, I work on um, Sunday mornings. I can't be involved in my small group or my Sunday school class. And I would say if you are last minute cramming your sermon during that hour or if you're just sitting in your office during that hour – I'm not real sure you're working. Maybe get all that stuff done. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I'm not saying that.
0: That's not my point, Josh. Like uh, the last two churches I've been at, our life group, Sunday school, small group, whatever you call it, was at the exact same time as our services. As one of the service. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as all of our services. And so like there was no physical time. Right now, I can't. Right, me there either. There isn't a time I have to do it at a different time.
1: Me either, but a lot of our listeners would, you know, they're in one Sunday school hour and then right. one worship service, and yeah, that, that's the case. They should that. be
0: able to. They just got to have preparation done in advance. Yeah, sure, that's right.
1: What else, Sam? You got anything? Any golden Florida? Yeah, I, th- I
2: think you're right. I think it's an unreasonable expectation that you know our staff is going to do life together. I hear that a lot, and you know, like I I'd find life, I, man. It's it's like okay, you know, you guys need to get along, and mm-hmm. you need to be bought into what each. Each person's doing, but yeah, to to, to think that you're going to be besties, as you say, with with everyone on staff is a bit is is a bit of an unreasonable expectation. The other thing that I would say, what we've been talking a lot about, and and it's good that we mentioned that you have brought this up, we're we're talking about what's inside the bubble, though. In order for you to really. Learn to love a community. You got to get outside the bubble. So, I would encourage go do everything you can in that community. Go to the sporting events. Go to the museums. uh, Go to the farmers markets. Go to go to where the people are. Go. I mean, this is what the Bible tells us to do. Mm-hmm. go to where the people are in the community wherever that is um with some limitations you don't go to strip clubs <laughs> so um you can't, you can't walk into strip clubs Sam. I love um, that you um, have to caveat that Sam. um well in today's age you never know Hopefully you never know no. there are certain places there's certain places you should not be That's buddy true. don't go in there um Crazy but ends. that being <laughs> oh, hey, we got we got 40,000 strong coming out today and and we're going to beat the Astros. Oh, that's
1: almost yeah. half has turned up to the Texas Longhorns game.
2: Go go oh to <laughs> comparing apples and oranges. Um yeah, go go to where the people are. Go to go to the events, go to the places where the crowds gather. Yeah. And, and and that's the way that you'll learn to love the community. You'll meet the people there. You know, you'll, you'll get to hang out. You'll get to learn the context. All that's very important. You got to be nurtured inside the church bubble in your groups. And then you got to be moving out to uh, other places where you're called to reach.
1: Sam, I always say that the people who live in this community – they're, they like things about this community. They, if you, if you're visiting a place and I'll give you an example, but if you're visiting a place, we come in a lot of times with these preconceived ideals of what that city is, what they represent. Maybe there's a college there or a sports team. And so, Oh, I hate, I hate Philadelphia. The Eagles are there, you know, something like that. But there's a lot of beauty and really cool things to Philadelphia outside of one team that happens to there so um, the example that I often give is Tulsa Tulsa Oklahoma is a small mid-sized town um, that you know people in my region my southwestern region kind of trash talk a little bit like, who would go to Tulsa and so one time Jackie and I went and we said I said there are things here that the people in Tulsa love let's find those so I get on Instagram I get on list you know the top whatever in Tulsa And we went and did those things. And we had a great time because there are these really cool little things to do in Tulsa and around Tulsa. So I think when you move to a region, when we moved to Arkansas, we started asking people, what are the the cool waterfalls to go see? What are the hiking trails that you're supposed to do? Where are we supposed to shop? What's the best this restaurant and that restaurant? And then when we get a chance every week, we went off and did one of those things. And by taking pictures of it and posting it, we really sort of endeared ourselves to – Arkansans because we were doing the Arkansas live. Yeah, and so, we
0: started to love that back. L- let me add to that if I can, Josh. I actually think sure. there's a theological argument here. And a lot of this comes out of... Um, Uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, which is a helpful rubric for us to think about how to engage the world. Jeremiah 29, the Israelites are in exile in Babylon. They don't want to be there. They want to go back to Jerusalem. They're missing their home. Mm -hmm. Well, so here's what's interesting. First of all, like three or four times in the passage, God says to them, you're in exile because I put you there. Uh, Now, in other words, your time and your place where you are at is a part of God's divine leadership. And Mm -hmm. so embrace the, the moment and the place and the space you are as a part of uh, where you are as part of God's plan for your life. And then he says in verse 7 of Jeremiah 29, we all know Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, But in verse 7, he says, seek the well-being of the place where I have planted you. In other words, the word well-being there is shalom, which means more than just the absence of conflict, right? We know it's the word peace. Right. It, I mean, it means more something more like the holistic blessing of God. Mm -hmm. And remember, he's talking to people who live in pagan Babylon, Assyrian empire, right? And he says to them, you are to seek the holistic blessing of God on the people in place where I have placed you. So my argument is theologically, those of us who are followers of Jesus, we are where we are because of God's leadership. And so our responsibility, our biblical obligation is to love the place we live, to advocate on behalf of the place we live so that the blessing of God might be known there. Mm -hmm. And when people push back and say, yeah, but you don't know where I live. It's ungodly or whatever. Yeah, but it's not Babylon. I promise Mm -hmm. you you're not hanging out with Assyrians who skinned people alive and hung their their skin from the city walls and who would slaughter children in mass when they conquered a city to intimidate their parents. Mm -hmm. Right. And if God could say that to the Israelite exiles in Babylon, he certainly would be expecting the same for those of us who are serving in whatever place we might be serving. Right. So we're there because God wants us there and we're there to seek the blessing of God in
2: that place. Mm. So that means – thank you for that wonderful <laughs> theological tr- treatise. What, what this what this means is don't be trash-talking the place You're where home. you live. That's right. Yeah. And don't be talking about how the other place where you used to live is better. That's exactly
0: yes. right. right. That's so –
2: So, I mean, yeah, pastors are bad about this. Church leaders are bad about, like, well, it's just not as good as my last community, and we mm-hmm. did this in our last community, and my last church did this, right. and I used to uh, – you know, I really loved where I used to live, and, you know, you, you got to get over yourself. You can't be trash-talking where you are and you can't be talking right. the, the place where you came from or where you want to go up as if it's better True. um that's not gonna, that will not help you do kingdom work be, you know it's just an, not going to help you at be all be an unashamed apologist for your home
1: that's right Ex- exactly
2: yeah you, an unashamed you, apologist for where you live God gave you an address for a reason. That's it's right. one of my lines. That's right. God gave you an address for a reason. He has sovereignly placed you where you are so that you will do his work where you're planted. And in order to do that, you have to love your neighbor. Loving your community is the same thing. It is it is synonymous with loving your neighbor. I think it's, this is a
1: great sort of thought amongst young ministers now is this infatuation with the community, like the city. They really want to identify with a certain city. And uh, and that kind of thing is called I've, – I've, I've been in a, a bunch of conversations with people who will not take a call or even consider churches outside of this zip code. That's just – no, I'm fat, and it's not uh, God called me to this place. It's like I love the tacos in this place, and that's just you've <laughs> got to let loose of those sort of things. Quit being yeah, infatuated
2: that's a bit that be that's a bit God. petty. I thought you were going to talk about the infatuation with just like urban areas, which is certainly happening and much needed. But it is kind of funny when a when a church calls itself like city church and uh-huh. it's you know out in you know cornfields or cow pastures and things like that. I've I've noticed that as I have, well.
1: I have no comment on that. <laughs> the, um, the I think you're exactly right. It's like that obsession, there was a while there where I felt like, my goodness, I mean, like, am I sinning because I'm not pastoring a church in an urban context? Because everything being produced was like, that's where the people are while I was in suburbs that were exploding. So it, it I've got that feeling before. But I, th- I think lastly, here's the deal. You're going to have to talk to your spouse and family about this topic. And you're going to have to because a lot of times I've talked to ministers and it's not them it's the spouse that just hates that community and when you start talking to him it's like well what have you done to kind of make friends what if what is uh what has your spouse gotten involved in the extracurriculars the outside of the church have they have they been a part of the church i've even seen them like they're just not attending church and it's like uh well they just this really isn't like their home church well it is their home church now you're going to have to kind of like talk to them about this transition that's about to happen because again you can bury yourself in the church you can get all wrapped up in the church but if they don't you're not going to stay there very long and it's going to be miserable hey i got i got an idea yeah
2: for the twitter yeah um why don't why don't we ask our listeners to post something on the twitter uh, about uh, something they love about their community.
0: Oh yeah, that's a good. Uh, that's a great idea. I'd love not not church. what you
2: hate about your community. Don't don't be dogging your community. Don't don't use our Twitter feed as a way to dog your community. Um, what do you love about your community? What what's something that you know you you really enjoy?
1: And make sure you at us. Yes, at E S T Church. Church Sam, that's all the time we have for today
2: yes but we do have an offer we have a very special offer to our est listeners um as many of you know uh, most churches are in need of revitalization in fact depending on who's counting and how they're counting we estimate between 65 percent and 90 percent of churches are in need of some form of revitalization and that is likely your context if you're listening to this podcast then you're probably leading a church that needs something in it revitalized if not the whole of it and we have a great resource for you it is uh an amazing deal. Um, it's a training course with Tom Rainer, my dad, seven hours of step-by-step training and, and instruction. Uh, it's got downloadable notes, practical examples, files, uh, step-by-step uh, instructions. It's a very good resource we are able to offer it at a deep discount uh usually costs around 400 bucks we can get it to you for 247 you can go to sam click on est one of the est podcast uh that is posted there and look in the show notes and you will be able to get a coupon code or a link to um to get this resource so check it out four steps to revitalizing your church with Tom Rayner it's a great resource encourage you to go to samrainer.com to go get it fantastic resource
1: you guys have a great day Sam have fun at the game Woo-hoo, go Rays hope, hope your team wins and uh, uh, thanks for listening make sure you rate review and subscribe online or on iTunes Spotify wherever you listen to your podcast and we'll check you next week
0: been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening.